Registration is now open on What's Your Name's Yucatan Tour 2024. Join us in Mexico as we walk in the footsteps of Zazel Ha, learn traditional Mayan cooking, tour Mayan ruins, snorkel with sea turtles, and so many more off-the-beaten-track adventures with our wonderful little band of kindred spirits. Spots are going fast, so sign up now on our website at whatsyournamepodcast.com. We can't wait to see you there. This episode was sponsored by Girls Can Crate, a subscription box inspiring girls to believe that they can be and do anything. Real women make the best heroes, and every month they deliver them to your front door. Special shout out to Jamie Lang, Mandy Booty, Chantel Oliver, Misty Bentz, and Anita Harnish. Thank you for being our patrons. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Katie. You are a great lover of mysteries, I happen to know. I am. Since our shared bedroom when we were growing up was (laughs) full of your books. Yes. I don't know anyone who's read more mysteries than you. That, I feel like that's true. Even my librarian friends. I'm, I'm up there with the, (laughs) with the championship. Yes. There should be a world championship. It's really hard now to trick me. I mean, if I if I encounter a new writer that fools me, I'm delighted and want to read everything they wrote because the, it almost never oh. happens. Oh! Whoa! So give us a percentage. Like, how often do you figure it out before the big reveal? Oh! 85% of the time. What? Yeah. I don't always have the why right, but I usually have the who. So, you're really good at noticing pieces of evidence and putting them together in the best way. In in fiction, yes. Fiction. <laughs> I would be the world's worst crime witness, but yes. On, on paper, I'm great at it. So what's your detective prop? Like you walking around with a magnifying glass, monocle, uh, notebook, what do you got? Dog. Fabulous wardrobe. I'd be like Franny Fisher. Oh, Franny Fisher. No. Okay. Okay. So feather boa then. Yeah. All right. Then put on your flapper hat and your feather boa because today, a mystery. <gasps> Yay! I'm Katie Nelson. And I'm Olivia Mickle. And this is What's Her Name? Fascinating women you've never heard of. It's not so much a who done it as a who was it. Oh. I want to tell you about a skeleton, a Viking skeleton, and I want to lay out all the facts we know about this skeleton, and there are quite a lot of surprising facts. Mm. And then I want you, Detective Olivia Mickle with the feather boa, to put the pieces together and tell me who you think this person was. Wait, this is why I had to quit my archaeology degree because <laughs> you can't draw conclusions i can't narrow <laughs> i can so you're a terrible you detective 57 options okay well give me 57 then all right and maybe there really are 57 different ways to interpret her story of course so there are i think you will interpret the facts one way i'll interpret them a different way and hopefully all of our listeners will interpret them a different way again yeah Excellent.
So, I know in my last episode, The Sorcerer, I told you about a Viking, and here I am with another Viking. Well, because you were in Viking territory. I was. And while I was talking to Dr. Chris Tuckley for our Goonhild episode, this skeleton, known as Coppergate Woman, also became relevant. Hmm. And it's fascinating because while Goonhild's story is exclusively based on literary evidence, the sagas... This skeleton, Coppergate Woman, has nothing at all written about her. All we have are her bones. So she gives us a very different way to study Viking women. Whatever was encoded in her skeleton, that's all we have. So I wanted to create another episode for this woman and for what the physical evidence of Vikings can tell us. Cool. And also... This episode features my all-time favorite artifact in the history of artifacts. Whoa. That's uh-huh. that's heady praise. It is. Just you wait. Ooh. So, the mystery of the Coppergate woman commences now. So, again, let me bring back Dr. Chris Tuckley to tell us this time about Coppergate Woman. I'm Chris Tuckley. I'm Head of Interpretation and Engagement for York Archaeological Trust based at the Jorvik Viking Centre in York, England. The Vikings were key players in a period some people call the Dark Ages. And we know so little about the Dark Ages. They're dark. Dark. <laughs> the Dark Ages. You know, it's a period we can't know anything about because people aren't writing stuff down and it's shrouded in darkness and we can only assume that people aren't doing much of anything. Well, actually, at Coppergate, we've got really well-preserved evidence. Coppergate Woman was found during the famous Coppergate dig in York in the 1970s. It's the same dig that we mentioned in the Sorcerer episode Mm. where they basically uncovered a Viking city. Right. Um, And we'll dig into this city a little bit more later. Um, But it's really only in the last 10 years that more analysis has been done on the skeletons themselves that they found. And that's how Coppergate Woman's story was brought to light. She's a very interesting case. Um, uh, Skeletons from the Viking period in York are quite rare. It's quite unusual to find complete burials. There are are one or two examples that, that York Archaeological Trust has excavated over the years. Um, and she's the, the most intensively studied of these skeletons from, uh, from that period of York's history um, because of her connections to the, to the, the Coppergate site where, where Jorvik now stands. And it's through analyzing the tiniest, seemingly insignificant details that we can discover some incredible stuff. As we saw in the, uh, our Neolithic episode, The Woman in the Chalk, Hmm, yeah. Coppergate Woman is not someone famous. It's not the grave of a queen or a warlord or, sadly, a shield maiden, as far as we can tell. But it's these regular folks, these kind of boring finds, that can tell us so much. It's not written evidence. 
You know, it's not people telling you their thoughts and their feelings or their beliefs, or even necessarily telling you what language they're using to converse in or you know, what their personal identity is. We're lacking that, but we have very intimate insights into their lives in, in other ways. Seeing what they ate, what they threw away, being able to look at their, their health, their buildings, features of their buildings, and all of the, the stuff that was, that was sort of involved in them living their everyday lives as traders and crafters and workers and families. Archaeology tends not to be in the hunt for celebrities, which is why finding Richard III in a car park, in a sense, has done archaeology a bit of a disservice, because it's not about finding famous people, necessarily. It's not, it's not necessarily about finding gold and silver and buried treasure. Uh, it's, it can be about finding evidence for how ordinary people, men and women, live their lives, and children, old people, live their lives, their everyday lives, a long time ago. And in a way, that's every bit as interesting as how important high-status people lived and behaved, because they're, they're more or less the same throughout history, in a way, aren't they? All very badly behaved. It's how do you interpret the evidence that is given oh. to you. It's, it's how you put the pieces together. And that's where you come in. Mm. So let me give you the pieces. And you put them together as you will. Okay. All right. Exhibit A, a skeleton in the ground on the riverbank. She was one of four graves that were found and one of only two complete skeletons that were, that were recovered. The grave was a sort of a shallow pit on the banks of the River Foss on an east-west orientation. Actually, the grave was, was damaged during the excavation process. And if you see any of the old pictures of the dig, she's, she's cut off just below the knees by the... Um, the metal shoring up at the oh. side of the pit, so we've, that's why she's got no lower legs. <laughs> the grave is outside any known about Christian burial grounds here in York. She was found without any grave goods, possibly in a shroud, but no, no trace of that has survived. Exhibit B, she came from Norway or Northern Scotland. She was not from York. Do we know this because of her teeth? Yes! <laughs> we know this! Because Janet Montgomery did the isotopic analysis of the skeleton. Awesome! <laughs> so she's not from around here, not originally. She's someone who's traveled a considerable distance to, to get here. So again, that puts a different complexion on what we might imagine her life to have been. Exhibit C. She was five foot two and about 46 when she died. Hmm. Life expectancy, of course, the average life expectancy was much lower in the 10th century. Um, but if women survived their childbearing years, they had, a, they had a good chance of reaching old age. So uh, it's not necessarily a, a particularly long life in, in terms of the period, but it's not, certainly not one of the shortest either. 
Exhibit D. She walked with a severe limp. She never used her right leg. She suffered from hip dysplasia. And she would have been in constant pain. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. And no painkillers back then. Oh. Exhibit E. She therefore used a crutch to get around. But there's no grave goods, so how do we know? Um, they know it from her arms. Oh. She was quite robustly built, so would probably have walked with a, with a crutch. So that's what she would have used to, to get around. The skeleton was malformed to indicate that she's leaning on a crutch and putting all of her weight on her arms instead of her legs. I can see it in her bones. Exhibit F, other skeletal tidbits. And then there's a whole bunch of little things just about like bone disease and like tiny things like that. Mm. There's tons of them, so I'll just shrink them down to a few. But it's basically like, yeah, she's got sad bones and she's a painful, malformed person. Aww. And those are the clues. That's what we know. So, tell me, Detective Olivia Mickle. All right, deduct. Mm-hmm. What is her story? Well, Vikings didn't do burials without grave goods. Yes. How did and you know that? Because I know stuff. Amazing. <laughs> You're right. Vikings I, did not. I did so a whole weird. year of archaeology school. <laughs> something weird is going on. Either it's a reburial or she was uh, in trouble. She's an outcast or uh-huh. she's got no people. Yeah. She is malformed and in pain. She's in a shallow grave, which also they don't do. We know it's a shallow grave and it's not just that this got dug down to eventually um not likely because it's on the riverbank oh yeah all right so and it's on the riverbank yeah it's on the riverbank why we don't bury people on the riverbank mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird stuff going on here yeah Viking- exactly. okay so vikings didn't bury her oh She came from Norway. She's in York. And nobody likes her. Because nobody cared that she died. Uh, She's a witch! (gasps) You think Uh, so? Maybe. She's hunched over. Yeah, she's crotchety. But other Viking graves, like we talked about in The Sorcerer... These are witches buried with all their witch stuff. Magic yeah, but no, and... those are sorcerers. This is oh, just okay. a witch. Oh, okay. Right? And she had no friends She's and everybody has no friends. She's a scary, powerless oh. witch and not a queen. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, theory A. Okay. She's she's a witch. And okay. she's disliked. And when she finally dies, everybody's like, dump her over there. And did they bury her or did they just kind of like throw her? Oh, uh, they the buried the her because they're Scandinavian and they're not going to leave a mess. <laughs> <laughs> tidy, tidy it up. Is she powerful? Or no. Like- no, she's, she's like, like a, a sad, old, she's broken that hag. Sad, she's the sad, crazy lady that lives in the swamp mm. and thinks she's a witch, but really she's oh. just, just... And, and okay. she's probably scary, but also you're not scared enough of her to like be nice to her. Oh. Why is she in York? Oh. Well, you know, maybe she came over as a child and then she is... Uh, she's an orphan. Oh. Nobody wants her. Mm-hmm. Because she's, you know, deformed and and scary looking. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. So, so she like, ru- she ends she up away. living. She she gets pushed to the weird little creepy cottage on the edge of the swamp with her animal friends. Okay. And she came over as a child before everybody hated her, like with her family or yes. something such. Yeah, and then they they uh, all die. Yeah. <gasps> They're in the ship that Eggle kills everybody. <gasps> Whoa. There. She is? She is Tied contemporaneous. She's contemporaneous with Gunhild. See? She is? Yep. Okay. Or oh. her family are one of the various multiple people that Gunhild killed, and she's on her own, off. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Oh. That's my. That's my story. Okay. Or she has rejected the Viking way of life. Ah left them behind, and run off to live with the locals. What locals? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The Saxon Christians that have boring burials. Yes! Yeah! They don't put stuff with their dead people. That's right. Christians don't need stuff in the afterlife. The Vikings rejected her because she's disabled. Uh Uh-huh. She can't live the Viking life. Right. And so she runs off to live with the Christians. Oh, and then they buried her there in a yeah, grave on the river? I know I don't know enough about Saxons. Yeah. Christians buried people without grave goods. You don't but. need stuff, you're going to heaven. But they did bury Christians in consecrated collective Christian <sighs> graveyards. But she's the insider outsider she's nobody she's not either one Mm. isn't there more information than this is this really all we have is there contextual yeah that's all we have about the skeleton but what else but like what is happening where is this place yeah we do have of course being the fine detective that you are yes you are not just looking at the skeleton you're looking at the surroundings you're looking at all the suspects you're looking at the whole town for your whodunit. I can tell you about Viking Jorvik, now York. All right. Where she lived. It was a big city. 10,000 people lived there. 
Whoa. And it was covered in filth. <laughs> key, th- key, thing okay. to know, key thing to know about the Jorvik Vikings. They worked where they lived, and they ate where they lived, and they pooped where they lived, and their animals pooped where they lived, and they butchered their animals where they lived, and they all lived together along the main streets in houses with dirt floors and thatched roofs and long backyards where they piled up all their crap. That's not very Scandinavian of them. Yeah, not not very tidy at all. Let's pause for just a second to thank our sponsor, Girls Can Crate. Hey, Katie, it's almost March, and you know what that means. Women's History Month. Yes. So I really want to encourage our listeners to check out our fantastic sponsor, Girls Can Crate. Because with Girls Can Crate, it can be Women's History Month every month. And just like us, Girls Can Crate subscription boxes help kids discover amazing, real-life women's history heroes. With crates, mini-mailers, and digital subscriptions packed with gorgeous books, games, experiments, projects, and more, Girls Can Crate brings real-life heroes right to your front door. And if you go to girlscancrate, C-R-A-T-E dot com, and use the code HERNAME, you'll get 20% off your first crate on any subscription. Check them out now, and when you order, make sure you use the code HERNAME, all one word, so they know we sent you. Later on, when they were getting fancy, then they built timber houses with turf roofs, Mm. but still with the pits out back. Yeah. So... When they excavated this Coppergate site in York, they excavated <gasps> the pits. Yeah, that's a and gold mine. Yes. What a gold mine of garbage. 90% of archaeology is garbage. Yes. They found five tons of animal bones, which tells us that they had a very meat-heavy diet. Wow. It also tells us that, by association, there must have been so, so many flies. Oh, yeah. And they found thousands of fish bones, too. So we can tell, like, specifically what kinds of fish they liked. Hmm. They found a board game, Nefetafel, which is a bit like, um, it's like checkers meets backgammon. Yeah. I have a replica of that game. Ooh. It's fun. I want to play it. They also found goods, lots of, lots of stuff that indicate a vast global trading network Mm. reaching as far as Samarkand Central Asia I mean the Vikings are everywhere they found many many cones and tweezers and (laughs) ear scoops which is like the Viking version of a Q-tip They found playable panpipes, musical instrument, panpipes where you like blow in the the different length, you know, uh, pipes. Yeah. (laughs) And they're still playable. So awesome. They found spears, axes, swords, fastenings, buckles, spurs, leather shoes, ice skates, all so well preserved because Jorvik was waterlogged. 
as you know, York is at a point where two rivers meet, the Foss and the Ouse. The Coppergate site slopes down to the River Foss. It's prone to flooding and uh, the soil was very densely compacted as a result of, of pretty much continual occupation over a 2,000 year period, rubbish just sort of being piled up and being compacted down. So uh, the, there's, um, the soil isn't very rich in oxygen and the bacteria that need that oxygen to thrive are able to sort of break down the things that would normally break down quite rapidly in the soil. That's why Coppergate was such an important site. Most important of all, in my opinion, they found so much poop. <laughs> and, and the amazing thing is that when the Coppergate dig was going on, the smell of the pit contents was fresh. So this is one of the most memorable things uh, that I've been told by people who uh, who excavated at Coppergate is the the smell that that, that toilet smell was was fresh. So even though the pit contents uh, are a millennium old, they they were still stinky. Yeah, yeah. So it's very distinctive a feature of, of digging on that on that particular site. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Can you imagine like all over York? Just oh, the smell no. of the poop pits from the past. <laughs> and they appear to have used moss or little scraps of fabric for toilet paper. Wow. And now, my most favorite artifact of all time. <laughs> oh no, this lead-in is yes. making me nervous. <laughs> it's called the Lloyd's Bank Coprolite. And it is the largest piece of fossilized human poop in the world. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a whopper. It's two inches wide and eight inches long. <laughs> I have seen it with my own eyes. It is incredible. <laughs> it, it was mistaken. Um originally for a piece of ironworking slag. It wasn't known what this what this article was. And it, it it's not certain, it's it's believed that it's it's human. It was thought that it could be from a pig, but it is believed to be human. But you've seen the dimensions of it, yes. which I won't dwell on. It's 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 big. And it's the I, I've, as it's been explained to me, it is the world's biggest human coprolite. And what's great about coprolites which is fossilized human poop, is what's inside. They're really <laughs> rare. It's really rare Wait, to no, find coprolites. No, you can't just leave that sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> They're really rare to begin with. I mean, we have some, we even have some Neolithic ones, but it's unusual to find a human coprolite. Yeah. So when you do find it, it's like, yes. And... <laughs> It was discovered by a paleoscatologist. That's a thing. <laughs> a very enthusiastic paleoscatologist named Andrew Jones. He believes that the Lloyd's Bank coprolite is one of the great archaeological finds. He has even declared it, this is direct quote, as precious as the crown jewels. Well, and with a less, a less disturbing history. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, okay, so here's, here's why the copper lights are so great, because of what's inside. 
we, we know exactly what that person ate in their previous meal. You get in there with a microscope and you know exactly what they were eating. You can know quite a lot about their health. And the Lloyds Bank Copperlite is as precious as the crown jewels because of this crazy bit of information it tells us about the Vikings. So they know that whoever pooped this poop ate lots and lots of meat and and oh. and some pollen grains and bran. That is a totally unsurprising Viking diet. That's what the Vikings ate. They they hated vegetables, apparently. They just ate meat and grains, mostly meat. Well, I mean, they live in northern England. There's not a whole lot of vegetables you can grow in a yeah, very short so. growing season. Yeah. Like, why in a waterlogged they... plain. Yeah, I guess so. But they could have eaten, like, nuts. Um, yeah. I don't know. Seaweed? Berries? Know. Yeah. But no, meat. All meat. All the time. And so, yes, that is not especially informative. But hmm. this poop also contained many, many eggs of parasitic worms. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, and no. they know actually which specific parasitic worms' eggs are in this poop. Oh. <laughs> and these particular parasites, get ready. Is this my parasite? <laughs> Is this coming full ah, circle? It's worse. Oh. <laughs> they come from Ascaris lum... Uh, I'm going to pronounce this with classical Latin rather than scientific Latin. And yeah. I'm going to get in trouble by scientists. Eh. But anyway. Ascaris lumbricoides. A parasitic worm that can bore through tissue and can emerge from every orifice of the human body, oh. including your eyes. Oh, no, no, no. Yep. Oh. So now you have to picture a Viking sitting no, I down, don't. eating their meal. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have to picture that at all. And every once in a while, they're just, you know, very itchy, very itchy eyes, itchy nose. And they're just pulling these long worms out of their ears, out of their eyes. They're just worms. They're just squir- squirming out all the time. And the, the scale, the number of the eggs indicates, like, a massive infestation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hey, what time period from the past would you want to live in? <laughs> The good old days. Yep. Oh, the bold and brave oh. days of the Vikings. So this paints a picture of the Vikings oh. that you don't get anywhere else. Oh, this is less magnificent. Mm. Yes. Stinky. The picture. Than the Vile, squirmy, itchy, wormy Viking land. We We can't prove that the Lloyds Bank Copperlite was Coppergate Woman's poop. But (laughs) 
but we can't prove that it wasn't. Somebody pooped that, and we know she lived there. <laughs> All right, my detective instincts cry foul. <laughs> and that is what we know about Coppergate Woman and her world. Oh, that's so, much worse than my yes. story. Mm-hmm. So, Detective Olivia Mickle put these pieces together. Who was this uh, woman, and why was she there? She was queen of the worms. Well, all right. If you're trying to prevent a massive infestation of worms, and people are dying with worms coming out of their eyes, maybe you bury them outside of town. Hoping ah. that you don't catch it. Mm. Like but where the probably... river will wash away the worms or something. Oh, yeah. Or, but that's a terrible idea. They didn't think that through. Mm-hmm. Everyone <laughs> downstream can catch the mm. worms. Yeah. Maybe they were doing that. Maybe it was like biological warfare. <laughs> oh. Well, I feel like I used all my theories. She uh, just fell down and died. Perhaps she was enslaved. Maybe ah. she's not quite a real person, and that's why she doesn't get a a real grave, right? She's oh, just a slave, and right. we dump them over there. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> a disabled person would automatically be a slave in Viking society. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And at first. I was surprised by her story and I thought, I was actually surprised that in a culture like the Vikings that just is centered on strength and warrior culture, that a disabled person would live to age 46. So maybe, maybe she survived as a slave. But maybe that's that sent off to live with the Christians. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe we're wrong about the Vikings and it's not all about strength and being a warrior. And Mm. maybe, maybe, I mean, she could be a high status person, some people think. And to have survived with that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe that marked her out as special or important. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and only wealthy people would survive with such a severe disability. Uh And perhaps a riverside burial is a prominent place or a magic place or... Mm. You know, overlooking the valley. Do they have hermits? <laughs> yeah, they did. She, she has no possessions because she has no possessions. She's a religious yeah. mystic yeah. who forgives everything up and goes and lives by the river. Especially among Celtic Christians in that era. There mm, were lots yeah. of hermits, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are lots of societies that see specific disabilities as marks from God of positive things. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Six six fingers, extra extra limbs and digits in many cultures is a positive. It's God mm-hmm. has chosen you. Yeah. Maybe that's a sign that the gods love you. Yeah. And and therefore you don't need stuff in your grave. Right. Because you're already in. And that's what's so tricky about all of it that we're in the dark ages. They're so dark. We don't mm. know. We don't even know what we don't know, you know? Yeah. <gasps> she was murdered. Ah! <laughs> this is a murder victim. 
Oh! Um, who, g- <laughs> who gets buried in a shallow grave by the river with right. nothing in a weird spot? Ah! <laughs> I read lots of murder mysteries. I'm so proud of my murder mystery skills. Oh! You would. I completely you w- missed the murder mystery. <laughs> you would turn a who was it into a who done it. Of course. Um, but her body shows no signs of There's so of violent many way death. to kill people that don't show up on a skeleton. It's it's hard to get a murder to show up on a skeleton. Oh, so some kind of flesh wound. Flesh wounds, poison, strangulation, mm. all kinds of stuff. And then they Maybe the digger her. didn't take her knees off. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> So, maybe wow. this is a serial killer, and if they start digging around, they'll find Along the river. They'll find more. Oh, wow. And that that explains no grave goods. Yeah. That explains the location. Yep. No consecrated ground, no Viking cemetery, nobody mm-hmm. else nearby, shallow grave. Yep. Hurriedly Whoa. by the river in the trees. Oh, now I feel bad for... See, this is why they wouldn't let me be an archaeologist. (laughs) (laughs) Or a detective, for that matter. Everyone (laughs) was murdered. (laughs) Yeah. Sad now. Yeah. No, I'm not going to go with murder. You go with murder. Hermit. Religious hermit. I go with high-status Christian buried in a very important spot. Okay. Yes. Maybe and and it's you go both. with <laughs> <laughs> it's she, so she could be anything from a a miserable outcast that nobody cared about yeah. and what and or she could be a Christian a high status Christian buried in a prominent spot yeah. she could be a murder victim she could be um, a witch. She could be a nun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She could be. Cool. There is definitely a story there. (laughs) We know for sure that she existed. (laughs) We know for sure that she's really interesting. Yeah. But we just can't know what kind of interesting she is. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe unusual. Maybe. Maybe she's she's quite... um... What's the word? Typ- uh, typical, I guess, of yeah. of her sex in that period. That you know, maybe we do start to have to we have to do a better job of imagining women as active agents in creating the society mm-hmm. around them, and we're 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 hampered by old ways of thinking and by some of the limitations of the of the documentary sources available to us. Yeah. There is research, new research going on all the time. Mm-hmm. We are York Archaeological Trust for excavation and research. We've got a lot of expertise in-house, a lot of technical expertise. We, we work in partnership with various universities and research centres throughout the UK and further afield as well to sort of push our research agenda and to find out more about the, about the Viking period. People like Coppergate Woman almost beg us to speculate. We know just enough yeah. that it's You can't just have those puzzle pieces and not connect them into a narrative. 
But the reality is, we can't know anything significant about her besides her physical condition. I would like to imagine that she is someone from Scandinavia who has traveled. I think that's a very important thing to, to think about when we're thinking about women during the Viking period in a period where uh, we do imagine that the people on long ships are big bearded men. Actually, we know that Viking, there were women within Viking armies. We know this from some of the archaeological evidence and from some of the documentary evidence as well, but it's not often um, uh, spoken about very much. We know that there are women traveling around with, with uh, Viking armies. For me, the Coppergate woman could be an example of someone who is um, quite pioneering and is carrying out this journey at no small personal risk for whatever reason, whether it's to um, look for business opportunities or whether it's um, because of family reasons or whatever it might be, she has come from Scandinavia and she has made a life for herself here in, in York. And she's lived to a, a relatively advanced age and is possibly quite a highly regarded member of the, of the local community possibly fluent in several languages as well, possibly uh, skilled at a particular, particular craft, and possibly owning property or land in her own right as well, uh, which is something that we, we, we know that women did in the Viking period. And again, there's a growing body of evidence for that. So, Detective Olivia Mickle. So, Detective listeners, Coppergate Woman can be whoever you want her to be. And that's the Vikings in a nutshell. These, this is a process and we can't really rest on our laurels in terms of our interpretations. It's helpful to keep revisiting these, these things because of, of where we are today. You know, and in terms of our, uh, of our audiences today, in terms of our society today, and the kinds of messages we want to communicate with, with them. And Jorvik, uh, as well as being this window that's open onto the past, will always be a mirror of the present as well, because you know, we, we create things according to our own preoccupations and biases and, and all the rest of it. So we're never gonna get it right. And we have to keep on debating and discussing what we've, what we've done. If you have a great idea for who Coppergate Woman was, write it on a $50 bill and <laughs> mail it to What's Her Name Podcast. $100 bill is more likely to be true. Special thanks to Dr. Chris Tuckley and Beth Dawes at the York Archaeological Trust. This episode was edited and sound engineered by Daniel Foster Smith, who also composed some of the music and our theme song. The incredible Viking music for this episode was recorded by the Swedish singer Osa Larsson and by the German band Dwevelspach, both of whom you can find, plus recommended books about the Coppergate dig, on our website, whatshernamepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we post lots of additional content each week. 
We have a huge amount of gratitude for all of our patrons. You can become a patron for as little as a buck a month to help make more of these episodes happen. Just go to our website, whatshernamepodcast.com, and click on Donate. Thank you for donating. Thanks for listening. <laughs>